0: Hello world, welcome to the Tell us Running podcast. My name is Steve and I'm one of your hosts. I'm here with Kristen. Hi, Kristen. Yo, yo. So this is the second episode of the Tell us Running podcast. We are now finally on iTunes and on Stitcher and on Google Play, you can find us there. This is, I think we're gonna be a little bit better this time around. We've practiced it only three times rather than the 3,472 <laughs> times that we practiced our first one. I think we've got a little bit better technical gear, although we are definitely going to be raising our technical game more on that in just a second. Uh, But yeah, we're excited to be back with you again. This is the second episode of the TELUS Running Podcast, and we're going to cover today, discussing why racing matters. Our mission, as we discussed in the first episode for this podcast is training the body, the mind, and the heart for what the race requires. So we thought it would be appropriate to bring racing in. We also wanted to bring in a story. So we're gonna share with you a story, well, Kristen's gonna share with you a story about a race she ran a little over a year ago and how that played into her success at a race that she ran just after that. And we'll use this story to kind of highlight three different reasons for why racing matters. It's not planned for this to be the definitive episode on all the reasons why racing matters because we're still attempting to keep these podcasts initially at the 45 to 50 minute range. And we'll probably go to three hours if we've tried to cover every single reason why (laughs) racing matters. But we just thought it would be great to tell a story. Number two, we thought it would be good to get a little more practical information about what we do and how we function both as athlete and as coach, and also so that you all would have the ability to take something and maybe use some of the lessons here in your own racing and your own training over the coming week, months, and years. But before we go on to the story, we're going to go through um, some basic intro points. The first is, as I mentioned, um, feedback from the first episode was pretty positive, and we're looking forward to the coming episodes so that we can get a little bit better on our production. So I could um a little bit less. (laughs) Maybe I only have three or four ums at this point. And that we'll have a few less uncomfortable pauses.
1: Awkward.
0: Which I think are mostly you, although I was a robot in the first episode, (laughs) so some of those awkward pauses... We're just me reading a complete recitation of the notes that I made prior to the episode. But more importantly, we're really excited about bringing more practical content. We got one of the criticisms that we got about our podcast that was perhaps we spent a little too much time on philosophy and core values and a little less on the practical application. Like maybe you guys would want to hear what to do with your running rather than why we think it's important. Well, we still think it's really important that we share those core values and there was a lot of resonance with many of our listeners about that, it seemed. But yes, we hear you loud and clear. How does this affect my day-to-day run experience? How does this affect my racing experience? And if we're gonna talk about what the race requires, maybe we should talk about why racing matters. So um, secondly, we're finally on iTunes. And as I said, iTunes and Stitcher and on Google Play. So you can start sharing this podcast with other people. We've decided that we want to get about four or five episodes in before we start being a little more aggressive with our marketing or our advertising of this, but that doesn't stop you from sharing it with people that you think might be interested, people who might have heard our story in other places, people who might have heard me on a different podcast. We're interested in getting more listeners because we need to have listeners in order for us to feel like we're doing uh, a good quality podcast. I mean, we don't want to just be sitting here talking to each other and having nobody listen to us. So hopefully you're enjoying it. Hopefully you'll continue to enjoy it. Um, We're also wanting to wait because we believe that we're going to get some better quality podcasting equipment.
1: Thank you, T-Murder.
0: Yes, T-Murder. Tyler is helping us get some better microphones, a better interface. Uh, mixer, things of that nature. So hopefully we are a step up from what we were last week, um, but hopefully each week will be a little bit better when it comes to production value. Additionally, Kristen and I are working on our rapport. We're working on our sort of ebb and flow and how we work going back and forth with each other. Uh, In the first episode, I was a little Steve heavy. We're hoping maybe this episode will be equal or maybe a little Kristen heavy, although Kristen's not really all that interested in sharing too much about herself. She really likes just to take the piss out of me, which I'm sure she'll get a chance to do that in future episodes.
1: And I'm so, so good at it.
0: Yeah, you are pretty good at it. There's no doubt about that. Um, We're also trying to settle on the best day of the week to produce this episode, or at least to publish the episode. If you've got a point of view on that, I know maybe some of you want to get it on a Monday because it, it's the beginning of your work week. Maybe some of you want to get it on Sunday before a run, Sunday or Saturday before a long run. Once we get into a consistent schedule, we want to produce this or publish this podcast on a day that it's most effective for most of our listeners. So, if you've got an opinion about that, or opinion on any of our other, on the topics that we're sharing, or um, a criticism or a complaint, or you just want to tell us that we're doing good work. Um, then you can send me an email at sisson, S-I-S-S-O-N, at telosrunning.com and I will read it and we I will get back with you no matter what. Um, a very quick and short uh, pitch for the way in which I make a living, which is coaching. Uh, this podcast is designed to fill a gap and provide great information for athletes, whether you're self-coached or you're coached by someone else, we, we definitely are pitching this podcast and want all the listeners we can possibly get. But I also make a living coaching. And so if you're interested in having me coach you, we are still taking athletes for our ethos group, on our, which is our online podcast training group. You can find this at TellusRunning.com. Click on training programs and you can find more information on it. There were a couple of questions after our first episode about our training program and i address those very quickly before we move on to our story so first is there were some questions about whether this group was very advanced i do have advanced runners in this group but i also have people who are 35 40 mile a week runners who run three to four mile three to four times a week so there's a wide range of abilities a lot a wide range of volumes and a wide range of paces Um, The things I'm asking for each athlete to come with is a good attitude and an approach to doing work, Uh, but you don't necessarily have to come with, um, you know, 100-mile weeks or 70-mile weeks or even 50-mile weeks. What are you coming at in your personal running journey and are you committed to getting better? If that's the case, we probably have a place for you at Ethos. Um, One key consideration that I think is important to address is that We are looking for athletes who are getting ready for a spring marathon. So that's Boston or getting ready for Vancouver or Toronto. I have some folks getting ready for mountains to beach, even Stockholm, people from around the country and around the world. Uh, But I'm also looking for folks who are looking for a speed development cycle, maybe where they're getting ready for a 5K or a 10K or a half marathon this spring. And finally, we're also looking for folks who are just looking to keep their running going as they target perhaps a fall marathon or even maybe a spring marathon in 2020. I have programs for all people in those areas. As long as your commitment is doing work, getting better, and you want to work both the body, the mind, and the heart in, the, in your aspect of training, then I can be your coach. Reach out to me, sisson at TellusRunning.com. And that's that for the pitch. So Kristen, here we go. We're gonna tell a story, aren't we?
1: Well, I'm gonna tell a story.
0: Do you want me to set a little groundwork or do you wanna just jump right in?
1: No, maybe set the groundwork.
0: Okay, so the context for this story is Kristen and I had been coach and athlete working together for about two and a half years prior to this. Kristen shared a little bit about that story on our first episode, so we won't go into that. But we were approaching, coming up to a really important race for Kristen. She was getting ready for the 2018 California International Marathon, where we had determined she needed to get a sub three-hour marathon in order to be prepared or have the time to get the Olympic trials qualifier she was hoping to get prior to December 2019. So, Actually, this is December 2017 that this race was happening. Sorry, right. I, I, I misspoke there. So this is not this last year, this, this past December, but the December prior to that. So um, she was shooting for sub three hours. We've been training all the way up to uh, that point with the attempt to run three hours, knowing that that would be a great step forward to getting the 245 two years later. I determined that Kristen needed a race. Um, She's a hesitant racer. She was a very inexperienced racer, which she'll share with you in her story. Um, The context for this race is it was a month prior to California International, was a 10 mile race, a very hilly course. Uh, California International is the first week in December. This race was the first week in November. Um, And a very hilly course, a very challenging race to get right. And it wasn't exactly a indicator race We weren't gonna be able to take the race time, plug it into a calculator, and get a clear, definitive Christian's ready for CIM in 2.59. We were going to need to do some math to figure out what that was. However, I had been coaching this race for nearly 10 years, had seen a lot of athletes, hundreds of athletes run this race. I was actually coaching about 50, probably, athletes for the race on that given day, and they all had basically the same race plan, going into it a week beforehand. So with that as preamble, Kristen's going to start telling you the story, her story about the Run for the Water race that was first week of November 2017.
1: Yeah, so um, I really didn't want to race. Um, I had never raced anything before and really haven't... No, I guess I did after that, but I really hadn't raced anything before. Um, I had run a few marathons, but that was really the only thing I had done, and so...
0: Wait, a marathon's not a race? What do you mean by hadn't raced?
1: Well, I mean, a marathon is just sort of setting a time goal and going out and either hitting that objective or not, at least in my experience. So
0: you weren't going blow for blow with your competitors over the final miles trying to beat somebody else.
1: Right. And that's kind of, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves a little bit because that's sort of what this had evolved into, but wasn't really the intention. So you wanted me to go out and and run this race. And I didn't want to because I don't like fast. (laughs) (laughs) I really just like a steady pace that the marathon requires, um, mostly because that's all I know how to do. Um, So I remember being nervous about this race already, and then a friend of mine, a really close friend of mine, was talking about um, one of the female athletes who had stated what her goal was for the race, um, and I think she wanted to win it, Um, she's incredibly talented, ran in college, very, very strong athlete. And, um, I remember him telling me that he told her not to sleep on me. And I was so angry at him for that because in my brain at the time, that would be like saying, Kristen, you're going to win Boston or something equally absurd. And it just, I wasn't. I wasn't there, I couldn't compete with those girls, and I got really frustrated with him because I didn't even want that in my head, um, and then as we got closer to the race, I think there was a little bit more chatter, and people started talking about it, and I was just really frustrated because I, this had become something that I wasn't in control of, and I I didn't want, I was afraid of racing, and I think that I was afraid of racing because I didn't want my running to become about the race. I didn't want my love of running to be taken away and turned into this competitive thing with other people. That's not what it was about for me. And going into Run for the Water, it's sort of what it felt like. And I was just, I didn't want to go out there and look, look silly to myself and look silly to others, I guess.
0: Sure. So, why racing matters we're going to cover three parts as you continue to tell your story but i want to make sure that i think i got ahead of ourselves as well without telling people exactly the three things that we're going to be talking about three ways that racing matters first is a coach-athlete relationship which is we're going to go deep into that number two learning to follow a plan and number three facing fear,
1: which I had,
0: right? So I think Kristen just set up in the initial section of that, that all three of these things were were part of why I had decided Kristen needed to get on a starting line before she got on the most important starting line of that season. Because prior to that, you had just been doing workouts, you would not you had an idea of where your fitness was, but you hadn't gotten on a starting line. So you were very hesitant to get on it because you don't like to race. You were also hesitant to get on it because you didn't want to race the people that others were thinking you should be racing when your point was, am I not just doing this as a time trial to figure out where I need to be prepared what I need to be prepared for for CIM and to prove it to myself. And your friend said, Oh, hell no, you have the ability to compete with all the people in this race, you're really fit. And so it changed for you. Racing became something different, and it required you to adjust your coach. It had it required you to come into what happens with a coach athlete relationship. It asked you to go into what learning to follow a plan because it was going to change if the race had something to do with being competitive with other people. And also, it added a much higher level and a gradient of fear than you were really hoping would exist so or help hoping would happen it was like you were trying to just in typical in typical racing in typical Christian fashion to this point of me being your coach you always wanted to just let it all come down to the last minute in the one big race because you knew you would have it but i wanted to prove i wanted you to prove to me and then subtly to yourself that you were ready for that
1: yeah I mean, or you disagree. I disagree with some points, but I think we can hash those out as we go. Yeah, I think so.
0: Cool. All right, so keep with the story. We've got three things we want to tell you why racing matters. And so, what happened on race day? Actually, before that, Let's discuss the race plan.
1: Yeah, what So, was your race plan? Well, so you had, um, the plan that you wrote specifically for me was a little bit different in that you wanted me to go out a little bit faster because the race starts out um, relatively flat. Um, and actually, let me go back because something that's important that you and I learned throughout this process of you coaching me, especially in the beginning here, was that because I was so nervous and I really didn't want to do this and you you kind of gave me no choice. Um, you were talking about my race plan in terms of putting out this effort and that effort. And I got really frustrated and I said, I need you to tell me a minute and second split for what you want me to hit on each mile and I'll do it. If that's what you want, that's what I'll do, which you finally did. And you wrote my plan. And so, um, but i didn't want to do that you didn't want to oh, do I that i didn't do
0: it for anybody else i had 50 other athletes on the starting line and i didn't want to do that for them and not because i didn't want to do the work although there might have been a bit of an argument about whether or not <laughs> i wanted to actually do the work of writing 50 individual race plans but more importantly i really think that this race given how it's challenges it really needs to be one that you do on effort so i wanted you to go out a half marathon pace then i wanted you to run through the hills to the best of your ability and then i wanted you to kick it in fast at the end, whatever that might be. You asked me for something more specific. What did I offer? What did I give you? In the, and basically, I think this was the night or two nights before the race, I created a specific plan for you.
1: Yeah, you had me go out at 10K pace and run steady through the hills, relax into them, as you said, which was complete and utter bullshit because how do you do that on that course? Um, and then you wanted me to close at 5K pace. And so, that's what we had planned on doing. The weather ended up being really hot and really humid, but the way that I typically run and the way that I operate is that I won't adjust. Um, So the weather was what the weather was and I wasn't willing to change our race plan. Um, But at this point we had run a race that had similar weather. I also refused, and that was a marathon. I also refused to adjust my race plan And it ended up being a great race for us. So you trusted the weather side of me, I think.
0: I trusted your ability to push through in heat. Right. That even though heat, you say heat doesn't affect you, you're full of shit. Heat affects you just like it affects everybody else. It just doesn't affect your mind the way it affects everybody else. And so I had a lot of trust with you. Again, why racing matters Having this coach-athlete relationship and racing at Houston allowed me to be much more confident in allowing you to go with this pretty aggressive race plan that we decided for this course. A little background for this course as well. starts out really flat and fast, has a short, steep uphill about... Two miles in a mile and a half in then it goes again really flat and fast for a while before you go into three miles of ridiculously difficult hills you come back out of those hills and it's flat and fast with a short little steep downhill the same way that you went out and then a long close of a long pretty flat close to the finish line so we broke the race into three pieces first three to four mile three three and a half miles the next three miles and the last three 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 and a half miles so it's in thirds and your race plan we adjusted two days before to be the same basic race plan but a little more aggressive on the time side because you wanted specific times so i will say i didn't even remember this race plan when you asked me about it about three or four months ago you said steve do you remember the race plan you gave me for the run for the water 2017 so that you could help a friend of yours maybe do that same race plan in 2018. I couldn't even remember. And I was flummoxed to think that you would I've created a plan that was 10k flow through the hills and 5k at the end. But it doesn't surprise me that I created that kind of plan for you because I knew exactly how fit you were. And I knew that you could do it. I also knew that you were scared shitless of this race. And racing in general.
1: Yeah, I think, but I wasn't necessarily scared shitless of this race. It was that we had worked so hard to get me to CIM. I had my daughter the year before. And so there was a lot on the line. I knew that we had this even bigger goal of an OTQ um, by 2020. And because I am such a new runner, we really had to check off these big boxes. And so for me, Run for the Water was... Who cares? Why are we going to risk my mental state? I felt very confident about CIM, and I was afraid that if I had a bad performance at Run for the Water, that it would mess with my head for our big goal of getting under three hours for the marathon because I even didn't necessarily care about CIM as a race. My ultimate goal, my inherent purpose for running at the time was and still is because I haven't done it yet, is an Olympic trials qualifier. And so I needed to check the boxes. And in my mind, run for the water wasn't a box that needed to be checked. You obviously disagreed.
0: Absolutely, I disagreed because you needed to follow a plan before the race, learn to follow a plan, regardless of whether that plan was gonna be the same as the plan that you were gonna run at California International. Number two, you absolutely needed to feel fear because I was concerned You wouldn't have the tools necessary to deal with bullshit that would come up right before your big command performance race. And so you need to plan out going to pick your packet up, what shoes you're gonna wear. Do you like the race kit that you have on? Do you need to adjust it? Do you wanna wear socks or not wear socks? What happens if it's hot? What happens if it's cold? One of the key things I think in terms of preparing for races is being a problem solving motherfucker. And if you don't get on a starting line, you have no idea how to solve problems because there are no problems. So if you did run into issues at California International, I was worried that you weren't gonna be prepared for them. Number two, I didn't really know exactly what race plan we were gonna make. You had run a 308 at Houston. Here we were less than a year later and We were both really sure you were in sub-three-hour shape. We didn't know exactly how far sub-three-hour shape, but could you follow a plan if I gave it to you? Could I trust you to follow the plan? And could I trust you to get over the fear you would have with racing? And most importantly, did we have trust?
1: So race day, Um, and the gun goes off, and we go. And um, I fall into our race plan immediately, and um, it was really uneventful, really until probably mile six or so um, as I realized sort of where I was placement wise in the race and-
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa. The racer says it was really uneventful to the six mile point. The coach and the fans that are sitting there watching, because this is a big race in our town, that race, people went out so fast, so fast. So I was sitting at the three-mile marker. Kristen's sitting in about 15th to 20th place overall for the women, probably, I don't know, 50th place overall for the race itself. And she's not – she was definitely those 50 people that were in front of her were not better than her um the women who were in front of her were all pedigreed beyond your pedigree for sure and so i didn't know where you i thought you were sitting pretty good with where you were at but everybody seemed to be very very fast in fact i thought everybody looked like they were going out at the same 10k pace that you did and i didn't write that race plan um most of the rogues that at that point that i was coaching followed my plan went out pretty conservatively had great races at the end but for you to come through there, positioned where you were was shocking to me given that we were thinking about a 10k pace at that point but um, it wasn't eventful in the sense of what was going on with you. But for somebody standing on the outside, they would say, wow, this race is really interesting. What's going to happen as you went into the hills?
1: Yeah, so it was really hot that day. I think it was upper 70s, like 98% humidity. Um, and so those hills were really brutal. And I just put my mind in a space where, I knew you were going to be out there. I knew H.J. was going to be out there. I knew a few key people were going to be in key places. And so for me, it was all you have to do is get to H.J. All you have to do is get to Steve. Um, and so I really just relied on your race plan and settled into that. I was not interested in where I was in the race. Um, I was more interest, interested in following your plan because I didn't know how to run on feel. Um or had a race, right? I didn't go out with the lead women because I didn't belong there. And um, I would have blown the fuck up if I if I would have. Um, so we go through the hills. I'm pretty much alone. There's a pack of guys around me. Um, and we we sort of work together. I think we shared water at some point. Um, and then we hit scenic, which is the last big hill. And... I sort of realized at that point where I am placement-wise. And I had this moment of equal parts dread and equal parts excitement. I don't know. Um, But I remember coming out of those hills, realizing where I was in this race, still had two and a half, three miles to go. Now I need to get into 5K pace and really close out the race. And I remember feeling for the first time in my running career, if you want to call it that, um, in my time as a runner, that I was a contender and that I belonged here. And I don't think that it matters, you know, speed or placement or any of those things, but it was for me that sense of belonging that I was – as good as i wanted to be and i deserved to be here because i had fought really hard to be there and um so we're closing and i see you and you're cheering and you're excited and people um people around you are excited and
0: we're two-thirds of the way through and going into that final kicking kick in the last third of the race which is flat and fast and we had discussed trying to run at 5k pace which pretty much is crazy to be after those running. hills <laughs> right? exactly however that's exactly what played out
1: right um so i dropped down into 5k pace and i ran and i closed the race and came up on um the second place female and had this moment where i see the bike her bike pacer with her and i think for a second like whoa i don't what am I doing? I did something wrong. Why am I here? This, I don't belong here. Should I, what should I do? And it was like this other part of me kicked in and this, this really primal part of me that said, go like, go get it, go get what you want. And I sort of ran for my life. um, Because I think I was in such disbelief and none of that really matters i don't think cross the finish line and what i really took from that day was that i could one that i belonged and that i was a contender i learned to believe in myself and not not limit myself of what i could do because I didn't have the background that other that other people did, right, that I could trust in what I had built in myself. And then the other part that I think is the most important is that I learned to trust you as my coach. Um, I learned to listen to you. And I learned to trust that you knew more than I did, Um, which is really hard for me, because I don't think trust comes naturally to who I am. I am used to doing things on my own and just sort of figuring it out. And I saw in you, I saw your gift, I think, in that race. And I saw that you could see something in an athlete and you could nurture it and grow it into what you believed that athlete was capable of. I I saw you do that with a lot of my teammates um, and with a lot of just your athletes in general. But I learned to trust that in you. I learned that I could trust you with my races.
0: You'd always trusted me as an athlete in workouts. You're the one who, if I say we were doing 10K Pace, you would tell all your teammates that, what 10K, that the not all your teammates, but the people that were training around you, you would say, this is what 10K Pace is, we're all doing it, we're gonna go do it. and very rarely did you ever try to make, I think only one or two times in the entire time that I've ever coached you, you tried to change the workout because you thought something was too fast or too slow or you wanted to do something different.
1: Yeah, and that only would have been because I was sick or something like that.
0: Yeah, I think because you thought it was stupid, but <laughs> then I would tell you why we were doing it and you would roll your eyes and do it. So um, not that there weren't many opportunities where you, where you tried to change the workout, which but much more importantly, that you inherently trusted my ability to get you ready for race day. But you didn't inti- you didn't inherently trust me for what race day was. And the reason you didn't was because you have been in a position where you've consistently worked on handling your own business and building yourself up and not trusting in other people for the most important things in life. That's kind of your modus operandi. You do do that, but only with really, really close people. And so this was a big change in our coach-athlete relationship where I knew that you, I could trust you and that you knew that you could trust me. That's one of the reasons why races matter. If you've got a coach, if you're an athlete and you've got a coach, if you don't have that experience with your coach that you can trust them, then you need to question what you're doing. Um, because they're not a coach. They're just a workout workout writer. Because almost anybody can put the X's and O's together to prepare you to be ready to stand on a starting line. But if a coach can't get you mentally prepared for what's gonna happen between the starting line and the finish line, they can't write you a plan that's effective to get you from the starting line to the finish line, taking advantage of your special skill set. And if they can't help you get over the fear that you're feeling when you're standing on the starting line, then in my opinion, they're not a coach. Um, I can say that because I do that as a coach. I can say that because my athletes respond to that success that we create. Now, Kristen, we're telling a story about you doing a double pump slam dunk and kicking ass, right? You started that race as the expecting to maybe place in the top 25 for the women and you were second overall. It was a really tough day. A lot of people didn't have their best days, but you had your best day when it mattered. And it catapulted you forward to to the big race that you needed to have. But you didn't go into this with an expectation to be where you were at. You got into this race so you could learn. So you learned to overcome your fear, so you could follow a race plan. And I don't think that we went in thinking about what our coach-athlete relationship would be, but we certainly came out of it with that. So why does racing matter? Because it allows you to test yourself in these three key ways there's a lot of other things that really matter with racing um they it teaches you a lot of other things um i'll go through a few of those because maybe we'll cover them on another podcast but it teaches you how to manage different weather conditions it'll teach you how to handle different hills and how to get effort-based versus exactly time-based things it will help you deal with challenges that come up in a race within yourself mentally or within the context of a wet course or a, or a hill in a place that you didn't expect it or just being ready to be flexible for whatever happens. Um, You know, this podcast is all about being ready for what the race requires. And the race will require a lot of different things. We race because it teaches us a lot of different valuable lessons.
1: Yeah, I think a big thing is learning how to follow a plan and um a lot of times we write or we have race plans that we practice on race day but this allowed us to see if i could follow a plan that you wrote for me period
0: right we were not going to make this race plan the race plan for your marathon
1: right and so you learned that i was but i think more important than that and i'm i don't know i'm I've never, well, I think more important than that is that you sort of learned what made me as an athlete, who I was as an athlete and as a person that you could work with not only in that race and at CIM this year, but to get my OTQ, if I make it to the Olympic trials, how can you use that on that day? What comes next after that? And so really, it's about building a relationship also with your coach and learning learning how each other works i would say yep um
0: and so i'm going to go off on a um a little bit of a tangent here because i think it's really really important for why racing matters but it's also really really important for future episodes that we're going to discuss from a mental training perspective and that's racing also really matters because It asks of of you as the athlete, are you who you say you are? Or do you really want the thing that you say you want? Um, Do you want it bad enough? And are you willing to suffer enough for the thing that you want? This brings up that point, Kristen, of fear and where fear of racing lines up because that was one of your main issues for this was, was this race result? You were prepared to run 10 miles over a hilly course with whatever the conditions you were prepared to challenge yourself to see what you were made of and what you if you if you would tough it out when suffering came in too hard when you went up that last hill no one was feeling great you don't. you're not a great hill climber you're not designed it's not what you love to do but you were still willing to bury yourself and push yourself up the hill to get there so you answered lots of questions But it didn't really hit the main fear you had about this race which was were you really going to be prepared to run the secret goal time that you had for cim that you hadn't really told me about right at that point in time were you really prepared you were a little bit worried that this race result was going to indicate that you weren't ready for it on race day and you didn't want anything to get in the way of you being able to get under three and maybe even be able to get under 255 and you didn't want you were really worried about what that would do to you with only a month to go before the race. What if this workout, after you got done with this race, I said, Kristen, I think we're ready to run 259.59, but it's gonna be really hard to run 259.59, it's gonna take everything we have. If I had said that to you, if your race result had indicated that, number one, I know you well enough to know you wouldn't have listened to me, right? You would have said, no, that's not true. But you would have listened to me a little bit, and it would have put some kind of inkling of doubt in your mind. So you were afraid that maybe you weren't going to be the, that it was going to indicate that you weren't in the shape or you weren't the person that you thought you were going to be. Is that accurate?
1: Yeah, but I think a lot of that had to do with, you know, there were people out there who didn't run well on that day, but had incredible performances at CIM but I think for me it was that I had not raced before and so we were putting I think you took a big gamble a big risk in putting me in a race that close to a command performance because I had not done it before I didn't have the experience of succeeding or failing in a race prior to this day to have the confidence to know no matter what happens at this 10-mile race we can pick up the pieces and still do what we said we were going to do at CIM. I was pretty confident of my fitness going into CIM and I didn't feel like I needed a race to prove that. My fear was that this race would get into my head if I failed it, if I didn't run well, I guess. Yeah, and I was 100% convinced that even if it did fall to pieces, I would be able to pick them up
0: and put you back together again and get you ready for a start and i would i would have used whatever pieces of whatever had it caused you to fail as sort of barbs or or things to poke at you with to say is that really who you are because what you would have what would have had broken out there if you hadn't achieved what you wanted was you either would have, a would have been over overconfident of your ability to achieve on that 10 mile course what you thought you could achieve right But you didn't come up with that plan, I did, right? So it would have been me giving you a plan that you couldn't follow, but I knew you could follow it. So if you cratered, I knew, okay, I could fix that. That was my fault, I made the mistake, right? If you got out there and you couldn't achieve, couldn't execute the plan as I wrote it, then it would have indicated a weakness on that day over a 10 mile course that might not be indicative of what would happen on a 26.2 mile course, especially with your strength skill, with your skill set of being much more of a marathoner and having very little experience with the 10 mile race distance. So I would have been able to fix that because it really wasn't. It, I would have been able to fix it because I could have convinced you of that. So every single thing that might have come up that might have broke you or made you not feel like you could get the time that you wanted, I would have been able to find a way to answer it. And even if I couldn't answer it, I still would have believed that I had the 10% of magic to get you above and beyond where you needed to be. Now, what happened with that race was it made me think, oh my goodness, we are ready for way faster than I thought we were ready for.
1: Although you did not say that. Of
0: course not. I would not say that because I didn't know, at that point in time, I still didn't really know what it was that you were talking about in terms of that you wanted to be faster than sub than sub three. So, um, But that's a topic for another game. We don't need to go into why you decided that, You know, you ended up end of the story, CIM ended at 253. 254. 254, which was a minute faster or just a little over forty-five seconds faster than what your objective was. Um, and that objective that you changed basically a month prior to the race. But CI but the race result that you got at Run for the Water made us believe that we could go that fast. And we gave you that, gave you that opportunity to close that marathon out if, it, if the opportunity availed.
1: Yeah, I think there are two big things here. One, for the coached athlete, I think, you know, for me, I'm a big believer in having coaches because I'm not an expert <laughs> in coaching or in running, and you are. And so you can help me get to where I believe I can be and where you believe I can be. And that goes for for anybody and everybody who has a coach or wants a coach. But also for the self-coached athlete, which obviously I am not, but I believed that I was fitter than we thought that I was before Run for the Water. And I was able to see in myself at this performance that I wasn't just sub three-hour shape. I was five six minutes faster, five minutes faster, whatever. Um, And so I was able to sort of adjust and and reach sort of deep down in myself and see what I was capable of or what I thought I'd be capable of at CIM. But uh, the big thing here is that you, because I gained that trust in you, or I learned to trust you on that race day, I then put CIM in your hands and said, whatever you want me to run, I'll run. Just please give me room at the end to close so that I can I can make up some time and see how fast I can go. I learned to trust you.
0: Yeah, and the self-coach runner would learn to trust their fitness. Right. Right, so they would be able to say, okay, I'm in a ballpark range of where I need to be. And if you don't have a race beforehand, your workouts are not the only indicator. And you need to have these experiences of – Trusting yourself and or trusting your coach, that coach-athlete relationship for the self-coached runner. You're dealing with yourself as your coach. So you need to get that trust there and make sure that you can count on it. You also need to have a race plan and know you can follow a race plan and getting on starting lines and executing race distances that are not necessarily the race distance you're going to run are still valuable in terms of making a plan, following a plan and finding out if a plan doesn't succeed, why it didn't succeed and what things you need to do to change what that is. And then finally, starting lines are scary. I always have felt like standing on a starting line was sort of an existential moment of dread. Um, I've had many experiences where I thought my entire personhood was on the line when I stood on a starting line, which is why I've had such a contentious and up and down relationship with the sport because I always felt like it was all about who I was as a person. Um, We've got some practical discussions on those points over the episodes to come. But I do think if you don't put yourself in harm's way, if you don't get yourself on a starting line, if you don't face that fear, then you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself to be able to face that fear on the main command performance day, to say nothing of the fact that that fear may be misguided, you may not have a reason to be afraid, you may be in perfectly great shape. um, Or the fear may be something that is gives you an opportunity to get over it, but avoiding it and not dealing with it, I think is dangerous. And I think that's kind of where you were falling into. Would we have had a great CIM race if you hadn't run run for the water? Probably, Kristen, but I don't think you're a typical racer in that perspective from that perspective. But I think most folks but you learned so many lessons from running around for the water that have changed you as an athlete, and that made your experience at CIM even greater. Because you had, you had a lot of things come up right before CIM that were way less than optimal.
1: Yeah, I and didn't you, fucking sleep.
0: You didn't sleep. <laughs> you had really tough travel. You had a lot of travel challenges. You didn't feel good. You were sick a little bit going into and up to the race. Um, and you were, you, if you weren't, if you hadn't had the race result that you had it run for the water, I'm not sure that you would have been as confident that you could overcome those challenges on race day. Um, let's or let's say that the average runner might not be able to do that.
1: Well, I trusted my body, I think, because I had just recently proven to myself that I could trust my body and that I could trust you. So I could lean on those two things on race day that maybe I wouldn't have been able to lean on if we wouldn't, if we wouldn't have race. And you know, the practical side of racing is that we practice everything, right? So why wouldn't we practice racing? I can say that now retrospectively, but before that race, I fucking hated you and didn't want to do, I didn't want to do it. Yep. And so I'm really grateful that we had that experience and that I was able to practice being on a start line and and putting on my kit and, um, I don't know, chasing people down and, and those sorts of things.
0: Yep. So racing matters. Getting on starting lines matter in order for you to reach a command performance. Um, I also think that racing matters because The mental training is so crucial and critical to success on race day. And if you haven't, here we were practicing some mental training techniques and doing some things, making a plan, setting an objective, taking some risks, preparing your mind as much as your body for what the race was going to require at CIM, put you in good stead. So again, it's just more and more opportunities to test where you're at. And yeah, I think that one thing that's really crucial is does racing matter, period, right? Does it matter at all? If you're still listening to us 45 minutes into this episode? (laughs) The answer is fuck yes, it matters. So that's why we did this one was basically to say, let's tell a story. Let's give a little heart to what's going on. Get our listeners to know a little bit more about you and I by giving them an experience of us as athlete and coach working together, discussing some of the mental training techniques that are crucial and critical to how we do what we do, and also sort of addressing the athlete-coach relationship or for the self-coached athlete, sort of how to deal with their own fears and worries about having written their own programming as they get on the starting line and having a chance to road test them and test them out with racing. All those are reasons why this episode seemed like a good second episode for the Tell us Running Podcast. So with that, I think we're going to wrap this one up. Kristen, do you have anything else you want to share
1: with our listeners? Mm, I don't think so. I think I'm done with this one. <laughs> yeah,
0: she's probably tired of talking about herself. Well, thank you for going on this journey with us for our second episode of the Tell us Running Podcast. We'll be coming at you next week. I'm not sure exactly what day of the week we will be coming at you, but we will be coming at you next week, hopefully with a little better production value. Um, and hopefully a little bit smoother and a little less choppy, robotic. and maybe I'll use an um or two less than I used in this episode. <laughs> Again, thanks for going on this journey with us. If you have any questions for me or Kristen, sisson, S-I-S-S-O-N, at telosrunning.com. You can find us there, or you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. Have a great week.